Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. How about that? Wow. That's something I can't do, and that is a large human who is doing it, Tristan Wirfs. I saw that yesterday. I want to see the, the Buccaneer mascot do that now. Don't just You don't get to thump your chest. You didn't do it. No, 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 no. You didn't do it, Buccaneer mascot. Tristan Wirfs did it. That's, uh, that's quite impressive, and that was quite a wave that was made by Tristan Wirfs when he splash landed. Looked like, uh, what is that, some, some kind of cruise ship, Buccaneers cruise ship? I don't know, but regardless... That's how we start our day because there isn't much else going on on this good Friday. Hello, Miles Simmons. Look who's here. No Peter King vocabulary lesson today. Instead, it'll be the Columbia School of Alphabet with Miles Simmons. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, I was hoping we could all move past that from my last appearance on PFT Live where I decided that I didn't know what the alphabet was, but here we go. Mike, mascots... I, I, how do you feel about mascot? I'm not a mascot guy. I, I like I don't I, like mascots shouldn't be thumping their chest ever. Like enough with the mascots. Like they're great for kids. But what what is this? Like why why is the mascot there when Tristan Wirfs is doing a backflip and celebrating this backflip? Get out of here, mascot. Go away. I don't know. I don't want to see you there. The only mascot I ever really liked was the San Diego Chicken. If you remember the San Diego Chicken, and you probably don't because no. The San Diego chicken was a thing before you were alive, which means it never actually happened. But of course, he was the Padres mascot. And they instead of a Padre, they had a chicken that ran around the stadium and just was a just was a a chicken, a guy in a A chicken costume. So Mm. anyway, uh, he was a menace. The the uh, Philly fanatic I always have enjoyed just because I don't know what the Philly fanatic is. Uh, so, mm-hmm. you know, I don't I don't dislike all mascots, but the concept of the mascot, it's just something for little kids like yes. a human in a costume. It's for little kids like the adults don't care for the adults. It is a menace. It is an annoyance. Just leave me alone. I, you know, I'm sorry if you're, you know, overheated in there or or 
uh, you, you throw up all over yourself like Greg in the first episode of Succession. Uh, <laughs> didn't Greg do that? Didn't Cousin yes, Greg did. do that? He did. So, yeah, it's a good um, call. Yeah. Uh, just try just, not to I, do that if you're in a mascot costume. The next person the, that wears it may not appreciate it. It's very true. Uh, the problem I, I have with mascots specifically is when the mascot is an adult human Right, that is in the costume and takes on too much of the personality of said mascot as himself or herself or whoever self. It just like you're not actually the mascot person. You are just a person who happens to dress as the mascot. So don't take on the qualities of the personality of that. I, that that's where I get a little annoyed, especially with mascots. Well, Daniel Day-Lewis would object strenuously to your characterization. So would Jeremy Strong, speaking role, of succession. You, yeah. you, become, you become the the person if you're going to do it the right way. You are the person even when you're not in the mascot costume. That oh. is who you are until your assignment has ended. So the San Diego mm -hmm. chicken was the San Diego chicken. It was Ted. His first name was Ted. It was a Greek last name, if <laughs> oh, I yeah, believe. I have a picture of this. Or recall correctly, there is the San Diego chicken. Oh my chicken. gosh! So <laughs> what in the you world? You have to, you have to be, you have to be, the person that you portray. <laughs> Jackson Deville never turns it off. Jackson Deville is diving off of towers with a bungee cord on his off days because he is always Jackson Deville. You are never not the role that you play. Uh, it is another Friday, Ooh. close to death. Ted Giannolis, I was right. Ted with a Greek last name. Ted Giannolis played the San Diego Chicken, has performed in 50 states, 8 countries, and over 900 locations. His oh, character has made over 6,000 appearances and has worn out over 100 chicken suits. Mm, San Diego okay. Chicken. I, I wonder when the last time is that the San Diego Chicken actually performed. It was a big deal in the 80s. You have to trust me on that. Just like Back to the Future was a big, day, a big deal in the 80s. You have to trust me on it, Miles. Oh, I, I trust you on a lot of things, Mike. I think that that's probably why I started thinking in some of the things that I have in the last two plus years that I've worked here. And I don't know how good of a thing that is, but hey, I'm sitting here, you know, on another Friday close to death, as you just said. Oh, should we really call it that since it's Good Friday? you know that's a good point <laughs> it, 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 that truly like, is a good point I, I, already feel, yeah. <laughs> I already feel sacrilegious for Oops. saying it and I, what i was going to say is it's my first friday two days after i could have died with yeah, the oh, yeah. electrical malfunctions that we had here we had another one last night i yeah, sent the I picture that. on the text chain i don't know if you saw that but i did the power uh, is fine, supposedly, but surge protector went haywire last night. I assume it was a leftover from the day before, but my wife texted frantically that there was uh, sizzling and a uh, strong smell of burning, and there's actually scorching on the floor from where the the surge protector uh, uh imploded or exploded or whatever it is but uh, we're, we're in the process of assessing the damage i haven't made an insurance claim in decades this is going to be interesting because i have been a strong proponent of the idea that insurance companies love to take the money in and they never want to pay the money out and i don't know how big of a claim i'm going to have but all of our Air conditioning systems, we've got three air conditioning systems. I've got one back here that otherwise would keep me from melting, and it's not as hot today as it was yesterday. And then we've got two furnaces. They're all blown out. The electrical components are shot. Mm. 
Like that that series of power surges just blew them out completely. So I don't know what that's going to cost, but I have a feeling it's not going to be cheap. We have other damage that was done. I'm assessing all the damage from the electrical malfunction, and I'm, I'm, I pay for insurance, so I assume that it's covered. Although what people have learned time and again over the years, when you read the fine print, there's a lot of stuff that isn't covered. And I won't be surprised if there is something lurking in the policy somewhere that says we don't pay because that tends to happen. But regardless, it, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was crazy the other night. And, and I did have, I didn't think I was going to die, but I did have this moment of what the hell is going to happen? Is there going to be a fire? And what are we going to do? We live at the top of a hill. I've, I have had moments where I've, I've been laying awake in bed or lying as the case may be wondering like, if there would be a fire here, how would they get water? Yeah, where's the, where's the closest hydrant? Like, how are they even going to get water to the house to try to put the fire out? I just think if there's ever a fire here, it's just abandon ship and let it burn. Boy, it's got dark really, Happy really day. quickly, man. Happy day. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I had that thought when uh, we came and visited last year, too. It's like kind of why I, yeah. Ooh, this is new. Where did this mask come from? I like this. Ooh, I have that's to, fun. Yeah, I'm, Dr. I'm, Doom I'm a mascot. Over there. I'm a mascot. Ooh, I'm just yeah. trying to vomit Blue or not vomit Doom, inside Mike this Florio. mascot. Yeah, please don't. You Costume. know, you know what's else yeah. is funny, Mike. I so uh last weekend I went to Las Vegas and I was reminded of you um because I as we were landing the plane, well as we as the plane was landing, uh it then started going back up and I'm like uh, this is not right. Where what's going on? And so I could pause my music, and I was like, um, "Are we just going to circle around here?" And the pilot then tells us that apparently the winds had shifted, so that we could not land on that runway. So we had to like go all the way around. He's like, "Oh, we'll be on the ground in five minutes." And then five minutes turned into ten, turned into fifteen, turned into twenty, and then we finally got on the ground. And I was able to go see my Chili Peppers concert. But it was kind of like you and Phoenix where, you know, you're going down and then you had to come back up. It, that's an unnerving feeling. Yeah, the winds had shifted. They call that wind shear. That's, uh, mm. that, that used to be a very common cause of airplane accidents. I thought they had cracked mm. the code on that. And, and it may not be wind shear. But wind shear is actually the wind that would, during a storm, as the plane is landing, would just throw it into the ground. And just uh, so it sounds like that's not what you were dealing with. But, yeah, it's anytime the plane is going down, whatever the explanation, because there always is one. It's never yes. I just didn't feel like landing. <laughs> There's always a reason for it. <laughs> that feeling of pulling back up is uh, unnerving, to say the least. And I suspect yeah. that there were several moments of silence in the cabin while you awaited an explanation from the pilot. And I wonder if they have a list of things that they offer up to obfuscate whatever the truth may have been i don't know but uh i still don't think the truth was that the plane hadn't cleared the runway when we were landing in phoenix i think the truth was the landing gear wasn't down and the airplane company has yet to prove me otherwise in large part because i've yet to articulate to to that uh to them directly my concern so uh anyway uh, always a fun feeling but you lived i lived we all lived we're all here and we are another Friday closer to death. Okay, uh, let's get to it. Tyree Kill's another Friday closer to retirement, if we believe what he said recently in an appearance on Sports Radio 810 in Kansas City. He has an expiration date for his career. Here's what Tyree Kill had to say. So you're going to, this is what, year eight for you? Year eight, baby. Year eight. 
How many more years do you think you can play? I'm or going, do you want to play? I'm going for 10, man. I'm going to finish out this contract with the Dolphins, man, and then I'm going to call it quits. You know, I want to I want to go into the business side, you know. Um, you want to be in the coaching too, right? Yeah, but not for long, though. Like, I want to like, do so many things in my life, bro. You want to come back and help help us coach me and Gary coach high school football? Can I bring my boys? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I bring I will bring the uh, little cheetahs, the little soul runners. So hey, listen, so now we got. I mean, we're we making a, team, a good, buddy. strong, strong push for a really, win. really well coached team. We got to yeah. travel the world, though, bro. Soul runner, can Soul Runner sponsor us? Yeah. So, what's your number one after football business idea or kind of goal after football? So, I I really want to get into like the gaming space. Like, I really want to get huge in, in that, and that's kind of what I'm doing right now. I'm using my platform, um, creating the gaming team. Um, which isn't lunch yet. It should lunch by the end of this month. I love business ambition. I love it when people have aspirations. I, I support that completely and unconditionally. I don't know that esports is the right thing to get into at this time because it kind of – it's all over the place, and I think it's in a it down is. cycle now, but maybe by the time he retires, it'll be an up cycle again. I, I just say this. This reminds me of my official position that I don't want to live past 80. It's easy to say that now. I'll have a different attitude at 79 and 364 days if I make it that far. <laughs> I feel like with Tyree Kill, it's easy to say I'm going to finish this contract and then retire, and I'm only going to play three more years. If he can still play – and more importantly, if someone is still willing to pay him a lot of money to play, mm-hmm. and it's a lot more money that he's going to make breaking into whatever it is he wants to do. I mean, he's still mm-hmm. be in his early 30s. You can still play another year or two. Why would you stop? When you have that kind of freakish, God-given ability, why would you stop before the ability has truly evaporated? Unless he just doesn't want to. And maybe because he's so good, he never wants to be anything other than the absolute best at what he does. But I, I'll just say he's going to feel differently quite possibly when he's in what he thinks will be his final NFL season than he feels now. Because three years out for, for a, a pro athlete, three years may as well be 30 years. Yeah, yeah, it, it's true. I mean, especially when you're in the NFL and, you know, we call it not for long for a reason, right? And, and things can change so quickly and so dramatically, but he will still be only 32 three years from now. So that's not to say that he's going to be at the end of his career, but he will be on the proverbial wrong side in air quotes of 30, right? So I, I don't know exactly what that's going to mean for him. Was that mean that he's going to be a step slower, two steps slower, three steps slower? And then how does that affect how defenses would react to him? How does that affect how he sees himself on the field? All these things are worth asking, I suppose. But I, I think you're right that it's kind of easy to say that now when you know, you're know you still basically in the prime of your career. If you're Tyreek Hill, you've gone out. You've gotten the trade to Miami. You've done all these things in the last year where you were playing with, you know, quarterbacks like Skylar Thompson for some games and you still had a career high and 119 catches and 1,710 yards. I mean, like, Tua Tungvaluwa did not play every single game last year. So I think that kind of tells you about his ability. And I think that there was one time Tyreek Hill told a receiver that I could get like 100 yards with you throwing me passes. bro. So like Tyreek Hill's that good. That you can say to yourself, huh, man, I I think that this ability is going to last for a little bit longer than three years. Well, I remember last year when he launched a podcast and 
started saying some outlandish things about Patrick Mahomes. He did make the point that he had over 150, I think it was, receiving yards with Matt Moore as his quarterback in a game when Mahomes was was out with a knee injury. So, yeah, Tyree Kill is awesome, and he's one of the best to ever do what he's doing. And and he, he probably wants to avoid being on the field when the decline happens. That may be the simple explanation. If he can't, if he can't throw the the peace sign up as he's running to the end zone with people who think they have an angle on him and don't people who, who think they may have a chance to, to lunge and, and tackle him and they don't, I mean, when that thing goes up, that, that, that that's a, that's gotta be a great feeling for him. And he probably never wants to be in a position where he can't do that. And yeah. uh, here he is. I mean, it's just, it's just amazing what the guy can do. Oh, the speed, the agility, all the highlights. Look at that. That's one of the times that we could have had, and we go to the Browns game. Well, he wasn't even this on is the, one of the times last year. Why don't see why can't how he we doesn't find the one of him with the Bills where he's throwing the peace sign up? I mean, that was that was a much better game, a much more consequential game, you know, in the playoffs. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, let's use this one. This sometimes, is much better. I enjoyed this. <laughs> sometimes he'll he'll keep the peace sign low. Because he's aware mm-hmm. that it's something he could get fined for, and then sometimes he'll just go ahead and give into the temptation to stick it right in the guy's face. But he, it's just, the guy's unbelievable. And and I hope he plays longer than three more years. He's fun to watch. So, and if you're a fan of the Dolphins, you don't want to hear that. You don't want to hear he's only got three years left. You don't want to be thinking about that because you're going to be a fan of the team for a lot more than three years. You want him yes, to be around true. as long as possible. And uh, I think most fans don't want to know that the clock is ticking toward the end of a great player's career because they just they, they, they get anxious about what life will be like after that player is gone. And the Dolphins will will take a hit whenever Tyreek Hill is gone. Tyreek Hill plays the Chiefs this year. That was another topic that came up during his visit with Sports Radio 810 in Kansas City. Here's Hill's thoughts on getting back together with the team that he's the one who chose to end the relationship. And when the Miami Dolphins come to Arrowhead Stadium this year, guess what we going to do? Guess what we going to do? I hate to say it, man. I hate to throw up the peace sign against y'all. I hate to do it. But guess what? I'm going to be y'all worst enemy that day. I'm going to be y'all worst enemy hey, that day. Chris Jones had something to say about that. Uh... He said, uh, may God bless him. And and, then Tyree Hill says, he has blessed me, but I'm crack block you. You're so little or you're too little. Uh, Yeah, that's funny. It's good that they go back and forth about it. It makes it entertaining. And Tyree Hill slips into, we talked about wrestling earlier this week. Tyree Hill slips into trash talk that borders on the phony wrestling bravado where somebody's getting themselves all cranked up. Remember he was, who was it? Uh, was it Eli Apple when he? Oh yeah. R- r- you know, I, Everybody I, I does owe that to Eli he, Apple though. The cheetah, like he, 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 like he, 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 he slipped into like he's getting ready to go face him in a wrestling ring. I mean, that's good. That makes it fun. That makes it exciting. But I wouldn't write the check with the Chiefs as the opponent because the Chiefs are still the Chiefs. But that'll be a great game this year. Chiefs Dolphins. It's gonna be a lot of great games. Schedule will be out before we know it, and that. Probably is going to be a primetime game. Maybe a maybe a second short week game for both of those teams. So uh, Amazon will get some better numbers this year, and that will deliver some good numbers if it happens. Wow, you went you went like three steps ahead. 
know. That was, that was, I mean, we don't know what the schedule is. That's why it's kind of funny that it's like, oh man, he's trash talking Kansas City for a game that, you know, we know is going to happen, but we don't know when it's going to happen. And so we don't really know. I mean, Tyree Kill may not even play in that game. We don't know. We don't know who their quarterback is going to be in that game. We don't know if Tua Tungavailoa is going to be healthy. We talk about, you know, three years and out. For Tyreek Hill, what what do we know about their quarterback situation? It could be Mike White, you know, facing the Chiefs this year, which I don't know. That wouldn't necessarily always be a bad thing based on what I think about Mike White. But yeah, it's funny. I mean, the Chiefs won that trade. They they won the Super Bowl already. So they won the trade. I don't know. It's great that the Dolphins have him. And it's great that Tyreek Hill got paid. And I guess you could call it a win-win in many ways. But if the Dolphins, you know, don't win the Super Bowl and the Chiefs do, then then the Chiefs kind of automatically win that trade. He made comments yesterday about once he saw what Christian Kirk got in free agency when he went from the Cardinals to the Jaguars, that basically there was no way I was going to let that guy make more money than me. That was when he wanted an extension. In the past, his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, has explained that Tyreek Hill decided after Devontae Adams got his deal upon being traded from the Packers to the Raiders. That was the moment that accelerated the efforts to get Tyreek Hill an extension. Look, that just blurs over everything Tyreek Hill said last year. He was unhappy with the number of footballs that were coming his way in the 2021 season, and I still firmly believe he saw what Cooper Cup was doing. He saw that Mm -hmm. Cooper Cup was threatening all-time reception and yardage records, and he thought, I could do that too if I would just have enough opportunities. Why am I not getting more opportunities? I think he became a pain in the butt for the Chiefs, and they got to the point where they decided, look, it's time to move on. It's just time to move on. It's a stressor that we don't need. And it never boiled over while the relationship existed. It was after the fact, months after the fact, that Tyreek Hill peeled back the curtain a little bit and and made it clear that he wasn't happy and it it didn't make any sense when he complained about his touches because he had career highs in targets and receptions in 2021, his final year with the Kansas city chiefs. So you're right. It paid off for the chiefs in large part because Patrick Mahomes took full ownership of the responsibility to get the new receivers ready. And he did took them down to Texas, got to know them, took notes, called the chiefs, let Andy Reid know what guys can and can't do who's good at this, who's good at that, and they hit the ground running and they won the Super Bowl. So how can the Chiefs feel bad about it? They picked up extra draft pick compensation. They removed a guy who who had a problem with being there, and they avoided having to pay him a ton of money. You know, uh, for every team that is paying a receiver huge money, there's another team saying, we'll just go to the draft and get somebody that way. We're not going to pay huge money to this guy who who may be getting closer and closer to the point where he isn't the dominant receiver he's been. So you're right. The Chiefs did win that trade. And with every year that the Dolphins don't win a Super Bowl with Tyree Kill, and they only got three left, if we believe what he said, then they didn't win that trade. Right. And, and you know what's interesting, too, Mike? I mean, it wasn't just the draft. It was knowing who is available in free agency and structuring that um, and getting, you know, maybe shorter-term deals with some guys that can really help you. I, I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster was a really, really huge part 
of that offense last year. I mean, you know, just big as Travis Kelsey is, and I'm sure will continue to be as a target for Patrick Mahomes, Juju Smith-Schuster made some huge, huge catches for them. And so him going to the Patriots, I think is going to be something that Kansas City is going to have to learn how to deal with. They're going to have to figure out who's going to be that other guy that you can absolutely depend on in a gotta-have-it situation if Travis Kelsey is the usual first option is not available because Juju Smith-Schuster kind of was that guy last year. And I don't know that Odell Beckham Jr. will be that guy if he even joins the Chiefs, but I have to think the Chiefs are lurking and waiting for the right moment to make their move, and maybe it will be after the draft. I think at this point, any team that is in need of a receiver and thinking about Odell Beckham Jr. needs to see how many receivers they have when the draft ends, and then maybe they... They regroup and, and make a run at OBJ. But I feel like the Chiefs and the Jets are the two teams that should be the most serious at this point. And the Chiefs would be a great destination for OBJ. And he could fill an important role like Smith-Schuster did last year and be a guy that yeah. you can count on when Travis Kelsey is covered, if he's ever covered. That's part of the problem, too, for defenses. There aren't many occasions where you have to worry uh, about covering someone else other than Travis Kelsey, because Kelsey's the guy who tends to be open and available to make things happen. Um, So I'm looking to see if there's anything more to say about Tyreek Hill. I don't think there is. I think we can move on. I think we can move on. I think we've concluded the Tyreek Hill chapter for today. (laughs) Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Here's something that that needs to be said. Steve Keim emerging from wherever he had been as it relates to the NFL. I mean, he's I, I want to be respectful of his situation, right. but, you know, he was on leave last year. He was fired by the Cardinals, and now he's getting involved in the media. Apparently, he's going to do some work with Fox for the draft. He appeared with Chris Long on his podcast. A variety of topics were addressed by Steve Keim. Here is Kime talking about the guy who has been the focal point of so much discussion as it relates to the Arizona Cardinals, quarterback uh, Kyler Murray. Here's Kime on Kyler. He still needs to grow, and, yeah. and it's not a 
again, it's not slanted towards his, his character. He, he is not a bad guy. He's yeah. a really good kid, has a good smile and has a nice way about him. Um, I think it's like anything guys have to continue to learn what it's going to take to be great. You know, does, does he know what Peyton Manning and Tom Brady know, knows what it takes to be great? No. Um, does he work? He does work. Um, I think it's just that side of the, uh, the game, the, the, the film study, the attention to detail part that he can continue to improve upon. And I think he will. Um, cause Kyler's a proud guy, man. He doesn't want to, he doesn't want to lose and he doesn't want to, um, let people down. So, you know, I think his best ball is ahead of him. I think they need to be creative and do the right things with them offensively. But, you know, I think the, the best ball is ahead of him and I think he'll get it right. But like I said, it's just to me in that area of watching film, studying the game, attention to detail. Uh, I think that's the area where he can vastly improve. And that's not a surprise because they they put the homework clause in his contract last year. That's kind of the moment where everything went sideways for the Cardinals organization, where they went back to being as dysfunctional as they had ever been. And I always thought that the shift from Bill Bidwell to Michael Bidwell marked the end of years of dysfunction, cheap uh, approach to everything football-related, treating the players poorly. I thought all that had ended, and it's all come crashing back between the NFLPA survey, the recent Terry McDonough claims made, and we know they're just allegations, but still, just the fact that you find yourself on the wrong side of such strong allegations is not good. And uh, it it just makes me wonder where the Cardinals are right now, and it makes me wonder whether they're ever going to get the most out of Kyler Murray, because separate and apart from anything that they may think that he needs to do, to achieve his full potential, the most immediate task, Miles, is recover from a torn ACL that could be something that that takes a while for him to get back to what he was, if he ever gets back to what he was, given that torn ACL. Absolutely. And look, I mean, his speed, his legs, that is a huge part of his game. And, you know, I'm sorry, but when the former GM of the team is still talking about your preparation, your work ethic, your attention to detail after all of the stuff that we went through last summer where the whole contract clause with the homework stuff came out. How is that still an issue that you did not immediately correct? If I'm a Cardinals fan and I am not, but if I were, I would be extremely concerned about my quarterback, not just because of the health, but because the former GM of the team who drafted the guy and who really doesn't necessarily need to have anything bad to say about him. But, you know, I mean, he's coming out and say, oh, he's a good guy. He's got a nice smile, which, okay. Like, what, if we're talking about good young quarterbacks in the league, right? Take, take the, the three who are about to get big contract extensions this year. You know, Jalen Hurts, right? Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. Is anybody going to talk about their nice smile when they're talking about those dudes? No, you're talking about how good they are on the field. And you're also probably not going to criticize their work ethic off the field. So I just think that from whatever standpoint you look at it, whether it's okay, the Kyler Murray is not healthy or Kyler Murray still has issues with attention to detail that he has to solve. According to the former general manager of the team who was there last year after the whole homework clause stuff came out. That's really concerning for me as a Cardinals fan. And I think it just underscores the fact that some of these teams have to be willing to say, we're not going to give a second contract to the quarterback. That the things that are giving us 
pause, the things that are causing us to insert a requirement that the player engage in at least four hours per week of independent study, that is the thing that should cause us to say, we're just going to move on. We're just not going to extend him. We're going to let him become a free agent. Remember, it was out there last year, the whole manifesto, the the Ted Kaczynski screed from Agent Eric Burkhardt and the oh, yeah. effort to just agitate and agitate. And because Burkhardt represented both Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, it put the Cardinals in checkmate. Why not just stand up then and say, sorry, you know, the, the report, the report, i.e. the text from Eric Burkhart to whoever reported it was Kyler Murray's not going to play for whatever he was due to make last year in the fourth year of his contract. It's like, fine, don't play. Don't show up. Don't show up. Yeah. That's fine. You, you, you have a right under the CBA. There's always two contracts at play. You're not violating your contract. The CBA gives you the ability to stay away if you choose to do so. There are financial penalties that may apply. There are other complications and consequences, but you do have the right under the CBA to refuse to provide service when you're under contract. Go ahead. We'll, we'll make other plans. We have Colt McCoy. If you choose not to be here, that's fine. But they allowed themselves to get backed into a corner. They felt like they need to em- emerge from this with some sort of a win. We have to get a win here. We got to get that. We got we to gotta show him who's boss. We're going to give him all those millions of dollars guaranteed, but we're going to get a pound of flesh out of this. It really was in hindsight. It was uh, one of the more bizarre circumstances we've seen. You're either all in with the guy or you're not. You give him a right. contract that says you're all in, at least as it relates to what you're paying him, but then you throw in this clause that if you have any ability to apply foresight to a situation you know people are going to find out about. You can't keep that secret. The contracts get filed with the league. They get filed with the union. Someone's going to see that. Someone's going to say, oh, Oh, this is a way to curry favor with some reporter out there that otherwise may be scrutinizing my team. Hey, hey, buddy. Hey, here's this. Have fun. You didn't get it from me. That's how it works. How the sausage gets made. Here it is. Here's a little favor for you. Uh, And boom, it all blows up and it makes the Cardinals look bad. And, and, And like I said earlier, that's just been the first domino of one after another after another over the past years that make the Cardinals look inept. It makes me feel like they're just lost in the wilderness, and I have no idea when and how and if they're going to find their way out of it. Dysfunctional teams do dysfunctional things, right? I mean, this is an organization that has been dysfunctional for years and years and years and years. And the Bruce Arians era was great because I think the, the way he head coached that team kind of probably covered up a lot of the warts, you know, that we didn't see. So, you know, when they went to the uh, NFC Championship game and they had Carson Palmer and they were going bombs away and they were doing all these good things, you know, Bruce Arians did a lot for them. But then you get Cliff Kingsbury in there and sometimes they start off hot and then they just get really, really, really cold really quickly. I mean, that fall that they had from being, what, 10 and 2 and at the top of the NFC West and then they lose basically most of their games for the rest of the season end up as a wild card. And then they come here to Los Angeles and had one of the least competitive playoff games I've seen in a long time against the Rams. I mean, Kyler Murray played horribly in that game and it was the third matchup against a division rival. There's just no excuse for that. So, I mean, now, you know, you're trying to go into the Jonathan Gannon era and you're trying to have some sort of positivity. And I don't really know how you can do that when 
A, you've got the claims uh, that are going on now against Michael Bidwell. And yeah, they have the absolute ability to defend themselves or whatever. But those claims are not something that you want to defend yourself from, first of all. But second of all, you've got a guy in Kyler Murray who you don't know what his health is going to be going forward. And frankly, with all due respect to Drew Petzing, I'm not really all that excited about what he can bring as an offensive coordinator to the Arizona Cardinals. Now, what, what, what are we really supposed to be excited about here from that standpoint? I, I, I don't know, man. This is, this is going to be a weird 2023 for the Arizona Cardinals. It really is. I, f- I felt like it was a job, Miles, that no one really wanted. And at some point, you have to say, reason. hey, there's only 32 of these jobs. But, but there are 32 of them. But not all 32 of them are desirable at any given time. And, you know, Jonathan Gannon will get paid accordingly and he'll have the job for a few years. And if he gets fired, he'll have his buyout, et cetera, et cetera. But look, this is, this is one of the things that, that I both am fascinated by and frustrated by as it relates to professional sports in general. There's nothing you can do about bad ownership. If you're a fan of a team, you're just stuck. Jed York, CEO of the 49ers said it five, six years ago when they were going through that hire a coach, fire a coach, hire a coach, fire a coach cycle when they went from Jim Harbaugh to Jim Tom Sula to Chip Kelly, you can't fire the owner. No, you can't. But you wish you could. And the Bidwells (laughs) have owned the Cardinals since 1933. That's amazing. 90 Mm -hmm. years of continuous ownership by one family. And... And, and they've probably made a ton of money. Good for them. Bravo. It's the American way. Capitalism. Go make your money. But I, I, I really feel like the Super Bowl appearance to cap the 2008 season, the NFC Championship game appearance in 2015. Remember when Carson Palmer had like six turnovers? He went Jake DeLome on the yeah. field where Jake DeLome went Jake DeLome several years earlier. Uh, I, I, uh, wow, Jake DeLome. I think those were aberrations <laughs> catching astray. Jake DeLong, really? catching strays. <laughs> but, man. hey, man, it, it, uh, hey, you know what? I like guys who don't have six turnovers in playoff games. Uh, <laughs> you don't. So, uh, so anyway, uh, the point is. I know what you did the, there. The, it happened in the, Arizona, the, the, too. The por- I get it. There's a lot, a lot of things going on here right now. <laughs> <laughs> here's, here's the point. Here's the point. Cardinals fans, uh, this is going to test – this is going to test every ounce of loyalty you have. And my nephew, my nephew, is like the only Cardinals fan in West Virginia. And he is rabid, and he is diehard, and he is unshakable in his loyalty to the Cardinals. And that's what you need. Some would say there's a sucker born every minute, and that's kind of what you need if you want to keep this fan base together because I think it is going to be a rough time. And, you know, you mentioned, and I did as well, the Terry McDonough claims. And it really bugged me this week how they really went out of their way to make it personal with Terry McDonough. Gratuitous stuff, over the top, unbecoming to the Cardinals, unbecoming to the Shield. I've called on them publicly, not that they care, to delete the things that they have put out there about Terry McDonough. Just say we're going to defend ourselves aggressively against these claims that we believe are false within the appropriate channels and just leave it at that. But it occurred to me yesterday, Miles, I think that they have gone so far over the top to paint Terry McDonough as some sort of irrational crackpot bad person. So these allegations don't 
develop enough of a groundswell of momentum to get the NFL to feel compelled to have Mary Jo White go poke around. I think that that's what it's all about. Because you never know what allegation. And I said this all along. It's why they protect Daniel Snyder. Because all it takes is one disgruntled employee who makes the right claim at the right time that strikes the right tone with the right person or group of people to become a thing. How does it become a thing? For the commanders, now there were a lot of people who were mistreated while working for the organization, but it was enough to become a thing. If Terry McDonough's claim becomes something that that develops that organic natural momentum, at some point Mary Jo White is adding to her list of projects for the National Football League, and she's going to go out there and start poking around. And it's like being audited on your taxes. People don't want to be audited on their taxes because you never know what they're going to find when they start looking, and you feel like that they they believe they have to find something to justify their existence. So they're going to keep looking and looking and looking and looking until they find something that they get you with. And if I'm Michael Bidwell, if I'm any owner of any one of these teams, I don't want Mary Jo White poking around in my backyard. Because she may find something that isn't even real, but she feels compelled to find something. And, and I wonder whether they're going to bring in Mary Jo White. And I think that if the Cardinals, from a PR standpoint, can dump so hard on Terry McDonough to get people to never really get behind his cause, they don't have to worry about Mary Jo White. Well, that would be interesting if we got some more reporting to corroborate um, what Terry McDonough's claims were, then I think that would kind of be that signal that, hey, maybe the NFL does need to go and have Mary Jo White start doing a little more digging around within the Arizona Cardinals organization because that's kind of where we're at right now, right? This is sort of surface level where, yeah, Terry McDonough's made some claims and then you had that very public, very unbecoming, I think you just used that word and I'd agree with it, response from the Cardinals to Terry McDonough. And usually when we see something like this, I mean, we've seen enough from the commanders to, I guess, kind of know what the playbook maybe is or should be, which is we deny these allegations and we will vigorously defend ourselves, right? And that's usually what it is from that standpoint. And it just was not that. And it was jarring, I think, to read that response from the Cardinals um, and and just see exactly how they were attacking the personal character of Terry McDonough. And I I think it it was Josh on our text chain who said this, but it's like, when you see a personal attack like that, it just kind of makes you think in the back of your mind, well, maybe there's something to this. Maybe there's something to these claims. Because otherwise, why would you go and attack the character of somebody like that in that particular way? You know, it, it, it just, I don't know. So if we get some more reporting on it, and I hope somebody is really looking into it and trying to do a little more digging and see if there is a there there, then maybe that's when Mary Jo White may or may not get involved. Here's, uh, I think, the other angle, too, and it's not just reporting. Terry McDonough mentions other employees who were mistreated, allegedly, by Michael Bidwell. If those other employees come forward, if one becomes two, becomes three. And see, mm-hmm. see, this is why they dumped on Terry McDonough. This yeah. is the warning to anyone else out there. And I hadn't thought of that. I'm glad we're talking this through. Anyone else out there who may have something bad to say about Michael Bidwell, check yourself before you wreck yourself because we will wreck you if you dare say anything about the emperor 
of the Arizona Cardinals. I'm serious. We're going to come after you. Oh, yeah. We're going to come after you with everything we got. And can you imagine what the reaction would have been if Daniel Snyder had ever responded to any of the allegations made against him with that kind of a statement? I mean, really, it it was horrible. It was embarrassing. I was embarrassed for the Cardinals. And it was just sad. But there's a strategy to it. The strategy is we can't let one become two. We can't let two become three. We can't let three become four because at some point that's when Mary Jo White shows up and who knows where this goes after that. And and it, it may be that if Jeff Bezos doesn't buy the, the Washington Commanders, Bezos will be buying the Arizona Cardinals before it's all said and done. And frankly, Cardinals fans should at some level be hoping for that when you consider – what we've seen and heard over the course of the last year. And I know I'm not making many any friends in the front office of the Arizona Cardinals right now, but I don't, I, I don't care. Um, and, and, and look, if all 32 teams were owned by great stewards of the sport who did the right things all the time, maybe every team would be 8-8 eight and eight going into week 18 of the regular season, and we'd have the parity that Pete Rozelle wanted. But, you know, the bottom line is, and this is one of the reasons otherwise that I think plenty of owners aren't so – adamant about forcing out Daniel Snyder. The good owners like having 10 or 12 around that don't know what they're doing. They don't want the rest of the owners to be good. They want some dysfunctional teams because at any given time, there's maybe 10 teams in the league that truly have a shot at winning the Super Bowl, that truly are among the best. And the rest of them, you know, there's the group in the middle that means well, that can't get out of their own way. And then there's the ones that are just bad organizations, bad ownership, and you can change the pieces and you can think that things are going to be different, but you still have that common thread that's eventually going to bring you down. And that's where the Cardinals are. I don't want to, I don't want to list others right now. We could probably come up with a list if we wanted to, but the Cardinals are in that, that bottom third, that bottom echelon of, of teams that other teams are happy to not have to worry about. You want to do that for the draft later in the show? Teams that other teams are very happy that they kind of suck. Uh, yeah, I, I I think that it's it's one of those situations where, like you said, the Cardinals are dysfunctional right now. And right now we can all tell that there are things that they're going to have to deal with, whether it is on the field or off the field, right? Whenever you're going into a season where you don't know if and when your quarterback is going to be healthy – that is a huge thing that you're going to have to figure out, you know, how are we going to navigate through this during the off season program, during OTAs, during training camp, what exactly are our options? And then from a larger global front office standpoint, how do we make sure that we are defending ourselves from these kinds of claims and not making sure, and we are making sure, I should say that one doesn't become two, doesn't become three, right? So there's a lot that the Cardinals are going to have to deal with and that they're going to have to balance that they're going to have to figure out heading into 2023. All right, uh, let's go ahead and take a break. When we return, a team that used to be among that cluster of franchises that the rest of the league did not have to worry about is ascending the Detroit Lions, a guy who was there when it was dysfunctional and is coming back now that it's functional, has some thoughts. We'll talk Lions next here on this Friday edition of PFC. You don't need a lot of money to do more with it. 
Join Padma Lakshmi, Viola Davis, and Fidelity's Women Talk Money team during our free Women's History Month series as we get real about ways you can start planning and saving for the future you want so you can feel good about your money every step of the way. Save your seat today at fidelity.com slash WHM. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, member NYSE, SIPC. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.